All right, welcome to a Black Movie Podcast, where we celebrate Black culture through its cinema by reviewing and discussing Black-led films from a range of different genres and time periods. I'm Lauren, and joining me tonight are... Father Tom. Ryan. And Andre. And tonight we are discussing Posse, a 1993 film that's essentially a revisionist Western uh, telling the story of a posse of Black American soldiers and one white soldier who are betrayed by their cartoonishly evil, corrupt colonel and escape some kind of shenanigans with a cache of gold while also getting revenge on the men who killed their leader's preacher father and defending a prosperous black town from the KKK. A lot happens in this film. Mario Van Peebles directed and starred in the film with other illustrious B and C level actors, including Stephen Baldwin, Billy Zane, Sally Richardson, Tone Loke, Big Daddy Kane, Isaac Hayes, Nipsey Russells, America's real dad, Reginald Bell Johnson. And for some reason, unbeknownst to me, Pam Greer. So I want to start off by getting folks' thoughts. What did you think about this movie on a scale from Spider-Verse to School Days? I'm going to start with James. Or I'm sorry, Father Time. Yeah. Um, I'll only answer to Father Time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, let's see. Definitely closer to the Spider-Verse side. Obviously not at Spider-Verse. Um, but this is a weird movie. But I still like it. Like I still think it's a good movie. Um, it's just it's a little bit it it's a it felt like a Van Peebles movie, which you know might mean something to some people. But I I liked it. I I walked away like pretty pretty happy. Uh, what about you, Ryan? I I go back and forth. I've changed my mind about this like four times since we watched it. I think that this exists on the school days end of the spectrum. But but the difference is between that and school days is this was actually at least fun. This was this definitely was in the this is the perfect kind of bad movie to just like cut my brain off and 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 like just roll with it. There's there's a ton of moments in this where I'm just like, yeah, sure, why not? Like absolutely. Let's do the dumbest thing possible in this moment for big spectacle. Absolutely. But yeah, like it's when I actually think about like any of the things about like how it's made or like what it was trying to do then yeah like total failure but like in terms of all the accidental the things that were hilarious that i don't even think were intended to be hilarious there's a lot of like memorable stuff in this movie uh dre what did you think oh um i'm not even gonna bite my tongue this movie fucking sucks i can't do it (laughs) (laughs) i can't even pretend this movie is bad at some point when i was watching this movie I just, like, moved it from... Because I was watching it on the computer. I moved it from my main monitor to my side monitor and started playing Royal Parade. And for people that don't know what Royal Parade is, it's a form of solitaire that's overly complicated. (laughs) And so, basically, you get, like, three rows. And in the top row, it's twos. Uh, Second row is threes. Next row is fours. And the way it's played is that whenever you play with two decks of cards and whenever you get an ace, you put it off to the side and then you stack uh, plus three on every slot. So it goes from two in the top row goes from two, five to eight jack and then threes go three, six, nine queen. Last row goes four, seven, ten king. And basically I chose to like play games of that then watch the then like really lock in and play it pay attention and watch the last half hour of this movie it is it's bad i mean i can't disagree here like for me this movie falls more on the school days of the things with one important distinction which is i was not angry when i watched this movie the same way school days just made me angry that i had spent time watching it and i can't get that time back this was just bad and i i can't really tell we can talk later about whether it was intentionally bad or not but it was just bad. At least I didn't hate it for being bad. I just kind of felt sorry for it a little bit. But there's no mistaking this as even a good bad movie. Like, I love a good bad movie. I love B-films. I love movies that are dumb and know that they're dumb and lean into that. This is not that. And this movie, this is not that. It's still bad. And the thing is, I can't tell if it was trying to be bad or not. And that's why I'm very, like, conflicted about it. Did y'all not see Tiny Lister Uppercut a Horse? Did we watch different movies? Because that was pretty awesome. That That is in my notes. There's very few things that, like, 
maybe like normally I take mo- notes on the movies we watch. I'll note down scenes that are like particularly meaningful or powerful or like some this said something. And like, yeah, Tiny List or Horse Punch is the first note I have for this movie. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's only five notes. So let's start with let's start with some of the basics of this movie is a technical thing that happened in the in history uh you can't even call it a really film it a, you were gonna call it's it a hard film to call it a film i was going to and i couldn't do it uh let's talk about that what did you feel around the cinematography the sound design costuming like for me this is actually just a really badly put together movie i think this was van people's first directorial no effort. his nope. first directorial effort was new jack city Oh, right. This was like his third. That's what made it worse. I don't understand how you went from that to this. Well, actually, to the back. I know exactly how you go from that to this. Um, and it's like, you believe in your own stuff too much. I, I think that, like, he struck gold, you know, with his directorial debut in New Jack City. And then said, I'm going to star and cast myself as, like, Zorro, essentially. Black Zorro. And just make myself the coolest possible thing in every scene. To the point where it's like out of place and becomes like comical. Um, cinematography was uh, disorienting, I think is the right adjective for it. There were a number of scenes where like, you know, the cameras in motion during a bunch of fights. Lots of really quick cuts for the era for like early 90s stuff. You usually don't see that kind of thing. Um, the practical effects and stuff are like way overdone. Every explosion is ten times bigger than it should be. Everything magically catches on fire. It's almost like it is. This is very much one of those movies that was like parodied by Simpsons and Family Guy and those kind of places where like a horse falls off a cliff and explodes. And so like that kind of excess, if you're if you're doing it on purpose, is fine. But like it very much just seemed to be there just because it felt like every single person on this movie had a different idea of what like they knew what their character was supposed to do. And what they were told to do, and like none of them talk to each other. <laughs> and just like this person is playing like super serious person trying to get back their thing. And then this person is playing uh Lenny from <laughs> and Tiny Lister is just playing Lenny again, uh <laughs> like a mice and men, but in a cowboy hat. And all these things are just like happening on screen at the same time, and it's yeah, it disorienting. Like <laughs> that's the only way I can put it. Uh James, what did you think? So, uh, the filmography is bad. And for my opinion, you know, you, you've all heard me on this podcast before. I don't have super strong thoughts about like how movies are put together, but this one is one you can tell is like not put together particularly well. There are a bunch of weird camera angles, like camera movement doesn't completely make sense and doesn't always follow the action. There are some scenes, there's a scene, uh, a sex scene later in the movie that is just like ludicrous. Um, Everything about it, the uh, the flashbacks are all weird. I think the thing, though, that like, and, and maybe I thought they were trying to make a movie that was absolutely ridiculous, and maybe they weren't trying to do that, but because I went in with the assumption that that's what they wanted to do, it made it much easier to like just enjoy the antics of basically every character. I do want to explore that first, but I can't not talk about that sex scene because it was... One of those scenes where I was like, this might actually be worse than the one in school days. And yeah. I'm not sure yeah. how I feel about that. This movie is actually, the entire movie is told in a flashback. And then within the movie, the flashback of the movie, there are other flashbacks. And to help you realize that those flashbacks are like re-flashbacks, everything's done in a weird sepia color. And there's a lot of like movement in the background, like it's fabric undulating in the breeze and there's layers of video on top of each other, so it's all mystic and dreamlike. Uh, and it's so bad. Like, I can't fully describe how horrible it looked and who thought that was a good idea. That's not down talk sapia. That's not down talk the sapia tone, all right? I ironically like I I ironically like that color scheme, okay? I do it, I love it because it's bad. Let's not let's not talk <laughs> bad about it. It it knows it knows that it's bad. You don't need to... Did you like how it was put to use here, though? Did you feel like that was an appropriate use of the sapia tone? I'm not here to defend all of that. I'm just here to defend <laughs> sapia as like, yo, let's not talk bad about it. It knows that it's bad. We don't need to hurt hurt its feelings. It's just that it is what it is in this movie. So, you know, Ryan, I'm sorry to cut you off there. I just I had to defend no, yeah. the honor of sapia. 
my thing is that like all the flashbacks weren't even consistent. Some of them were sepia. Some of them were black and white. Like uh, some of them were just shot on Dutch angle, like meaning like the camera was tilted. It was just really all over the place. And also there were like 12 of them. <laughs> That's a lot of flashbacks. And that also like had very little actual meaning for anything uh, in the film. Like I definitely had feelings about like that awful sex scene was very much like, let me, let me rephrase. Um, when you're looking at certain media, I sometimes get the idea of this character is a self-insert. That like, oh, someone just really wanted to have like a power fantasy wish fulfillment kind of thing. But that's not even like thinly veiled here. Like Mario Van Peebles directs Mario Van Peebles as Black Zorro Batman uh, in the Spanish American War. And like also he definitely literally has like a Batman disappearing scene near the end of the flick. It's uh it's incredible. But like I, I feel like that's very much the like I've earned the right with my first big movie to do whatever I want, so I'm going to have a big sex scene in my movie no matter what. It just literally just felt like it was there. Also, the dialogue afterwards was some of the cringiest uh possible dialogue ever. Decided to fight, not for death, but for life, for the new life. Because I know that she's pregnant. No, because we've got the technology in 1865. Because he was so powerful that there was no way she was not pregnant. Well, yeah. I mean, like, you know, once the, the like, the billowing curtains and everything are all just like, an, uh, you know, a known omen. Truth. God. Yeah, every, everything about that part of the movie was like, one, that character was super weird. It kind of added nothing to this movie. Um, and that scene... I, I wrote in my notes, I was like, boy, this was probably the weirdest, most awkward thing to film in this whole movie. Like, I can't imagine trying to make this movie and then being like, we need to do what now? And and from where? No, it was weird. And the thing is, like, in terms of this being, you know, Mario being like, I'm all about himself after New Jack City and thinking I can do whatever. I actually feel like this is much more him trying to create a new wave of exploitation films and failing miserably. Right, because also starring in this film is his father, Melvin Van Peebles. And again, for some unknown reason, Pam Greer, who barely talks in the entire movie. She has like two lines and she mostly just stands in the background being Pam Greer, which is great, but weird. Because <laughs> like, is she his godmother? Why is she here? Is it a family favor? I didn't understand the point of her character. But it felt like he was trying to do, you know, like a sweet, sweet badass song or he's trying to do something like my name is dolomite or something where he's essentially creating a new wave of 90s black exploitation film and playing everything up the violence is gratuitous the weird sex scenes are gratuitous the weird slapstick comedy is slightly misplaced everything's a little over the top there's a lot of bravado but something about it completely lacked all the charm if you can call it that of original black exploitation films for me anyway so it just came off as weird. It was like, it, it was trying to be like three different movies. Like, there's a war movie in here. Like an entire, like, shitty war movie. There's also an entire odd Western. Like, I, I grew up in my grandmother's house watching a whole lot of Westerns. That was like the only thing she would watch on TV. And so you see parts of the formula. And then it just like blows by all the important things. There are so many goals even for just like Mario's character, uh, for, for Jesse Lee, our perfect gunslinger, Zoro Cowboy Batman. He's trying to, A, you know, save the town of free of what was it, Freemanville mm -hmm. from the evil white sheriff in the town next door that's going to exploit it for the railroad. He's trying to abscond with the stolen Spanish gold that they took from Spanish soldiers in, yeah, in Cuba. Puerto Rico. Cuba. Yeah. Cuba. Yeah. Yeah. In, in for Cuba. Some reason. At, because they were set up by Billy Zane, uh, their smarmy, uh, cartoonishly evil commander. And he's trying to, like, do all of these things while also, like, carrying this posse across the thing. There's There are moments where, like, the exploitation pieces feel, like, really solid. And I can, I can definitely feel that hypothesis. There's one moment where, because they know the gold is traceable... They go to a blacksmith and uh, ask, well, force them to uh, melt the gold down into ingots. And he stops and asks to have five golden bullets made, you know, for his revolver to, and that are clearly designated for the five people who 
murdered his father and like and harmed him assault him out before that is a very black exploitation touch that's also like a little westerny and i thought that that was really good the flashbacks ruined it <laughs> uh frankly so yeah i feel like that part was actually taken uh directly from a western yeah i don't remember which one it was um because my dad was also uh a type that watched a ton of western but there was actually there's a very specific western can't remember the title of it right now but the way that the western went was like the guy would shoot all of his bullets except for his last bullet because that one was to fight true evil or something like that and that was that was the exact that I kept thinking of that as soon as those bullets got made every time he would uh load them into his gun. I think it was actually called the Golden Bullet nineteen seventeen by Harry Carey. We're we're learning. Um yeah, like I don't think that anything on this was like given significant depth or or, or alteration. I feel like if Mario made this movie in 2003 or 2013, it would have just be, there would just be clip art. Uh, like like on on the signs of the wall like these references are directly stolen like they are not uh there's 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 no modification happening yeah that was the thing like he made a western with literally every western trope possible in it and then like stole a bunch of those directly from other movies but did them worse this movie of course won zero awards because it didn't deserve any what it did deserve though i will say is billy zane Yes. <laughs> Billy Zane is one of my favorite cheesy actors, and I don't mean that maliciously. I genuinely love Billy Zane, mostly because of The Phantom. It's one of my favorite movies. The Phantom is awesome! Yeah. Right? Universal agreement. He is so good when you need someone over the top and just leans into it all the way 100% of himself, and he does that in this movie as, again, the cartoonishly evil uh, colonel that betrays them and then spends the rest of the movie hunting them down, and that was like the best part of the movie for me was just Billy Zane out there being Billy Zane in a movie that he knows is terrible, but he's still giving it 110%. He's still fully Billy Zane in it. Post to whatever Stephen Baldwin was doing. I'm not really sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Uh, I did like Billy Zane in this movie. I did feel like the army bookends, if you could say, like, did it need to exist? Like this movie probably would have been, a stronger movie with a lot of changes, but a stronger movie if that part had just been completely removed and it had just been the, like, I need to get back to this town and, and deal with this, like, mayor of the town next door. Or if they had cut all that part and just made a movie about, like, running away from Billy Zane, causing a bunch of antics, and eventually, like, murdering Billy Zane at the end in what is... Quite possibly the most outrageous thing that could happen in a Western. Picking one of those two movies would have been better. I'm going to stop here and just sort of note for folks that I'm not going to worry too much about spoilers for this film because you just shouldn't watch it anyway. So yeah, just enjoy whatever you hear about. If you do for some reason want to watch it, you can find it streaming on Stars or Hulu or Amazon Prime. But seriously, don't don't spend the money. Uh, that said, sorry, continue on, James. Yeah. This movie doesn't make any sense, so spoilers kind of don't matter. Like, I could tell you what happens in this movie beat for beat, and it wouldn't matter. I personally still would enjoy to watch it because it's so ridiculous. But yeah, I just wish they had picked one of the two things they wanted to clearly tell the story about and just done that one instead of trying to do two things. Well, I mean, I think that they tried to do a lot of things, and I think most of them just like but like i i want to talk through some of the like more ridiculous moments uh with uh the characters i mean some of them wheezy played by um someone who looks like uh his name is charles lane i'm looking at the page now but... yes charles lane yes so charles lane plays wheezy he's like very much the like nerdy assistant for billy zane's colonel graham his evil evil colonelness and it sneaks everybody out of out of cuba they end up in new orleans where there's just like a gigantic gratuitous everybody cutting loose and doing things. Stephen Baldwin is like an inveterate gambler and just constantly gambles everywhere. He's the white guy who's okay with being the only white guy in a group full of black people because like in his own words, you know, like people are afraid of what they don't understand. And I'm he didn't say I'm too dumb to be stupid. I sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. He didn't say that I'm too dumb to be afraid, but he certainly implied it. 
that he is just too dumb to be afraid of anything anything at all. So he's absolutely has no problem with black people. There's there's a whole thing of like there's just a whole lot of weird sexual politics in in this thing, and then they just pick up a new posse member in the fracas in New Orleans, Father Time. I need a second. Who. Who is literally just, yeah, he's a walking get, yeah, James, take it away. Like, tell us about Father Time. Father Time, you know, honestly, if it wasn't for Father Time, I probably wouldn't like this movie. Father Time is my favorite character. He's played by Big Daddy Kane, who just is killing it this whole movie. He is so ridiculous. His fit is so clean. His hat is dope. He has a watch that he looks at for no reason that doesn't do anything or signify anything. He's mostly good at playing card tricks and, and robbing dudes of their money, but not so good at it. He's just, I don't know. I I love Father Time, and I just wish that they had just made more movies with Father Time, retconning what happened at the end, because who cares? That character should have lived on in the histories of black cinema. What was the the thing about his watch? Like, I get his name is Father Time and all, but they kept the camera kept cutting to it. But I, I was like, I don't know why. This is a, this is a weird long look at this watch over and over again. Did I miss something important about the watch? I straight up thought the watch was broken. I don't know. I never saw it tick or anything. It just yeah. it was just like okay, watch. I was I was waiting for like uh you know the watch like you know like runs out of runs out of juice and he looks at it and goes like looks like I'm out of time. I was waiting for that the whole movie and I did not get it. Um. <laughs> Or it looks like my time has come. Um, like th- there's a billion ways we could have gone because it was just absolutely ridiculous. He looked at it like it was a fortune telling device, like it was yeah. like like Father Time used that pocket watch, like uh, Two Face would use uh, a coin flip. Except there's no decision making to be made with the watch. He just looks at it and goes, "That sounds okay," or "I don't like that," but he does it anyway. He is literally just like somebody who gets swept along and is just like, yeah, you rode from New Orleans to California with a group of people you've never met before who are all like chased by a ton of stuff because you're bad at a card game. Like his pursuers, like his personal pursuers, all died in New Orleans. He had no reason to stick with these assholes. Father Time is just here for shits and giggles and like. It's all ridiculous. But speaking of ridiculous, I really want to call out the like one of the few scenes in this that I think made it forward in the culture into something else. There's a part in this movie where, you know, the town next to uh, Freedomville, where the the black town that Jesse Lee is trying to save is being run by stereotypical evil white Klansman sheriff. And they do a whole like caper where they show up to break folks out of jail and like you know the 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 clans like they open the door the sheriff goes like oh yeah well hey don't worry about it. you know like we can't you know just give you give these guys to you but you know hey they've got guns so we're just gonna hand over these prisoners to the clan and they toss the clansman the keys and then he pulls the hood up and it's mario van peebles it's jesse in a clan hood and he just reaches out and like shoots everybody and that alone was just like the, of course they did. Like, of course, like, we just decided to sneak a hero clad outfits and, like, murder people. And I was like, you know what? There's a catharsis in this that I, like, still appreciate. For those of y'all who play video games, there is a mission in uh, Mafia 3, a video game set in New Orleans where uh, you're playing... um, you're you're playing a character who's part of like a black uh, organized crime syndicate that has an entire mission just, like, going on and, like blowing up and shooting a ton of KKK members is definitely like, I, I feel like the people who made that game watched this movie. They had to, I feel like it very much was like, Oh yeah, I know what I'm going to do. This one's going in the inspiration pile um, next to Tony Lister, Tony Lister's horse punch and the world's longest dynamite fuse. Like, did you all catch that? Like that, that whole scene near the end, like the, Jesse Lee and the um, what was it the the the, the eighteen minute dynamite fuse? Um, it was <laughs> ridiculous. It was especially because that most of the time in the shots of him riding in slow mo towards the army, and I'm like, that's not even lit. 
It's obviously not even lit. <laughs> it's not even lit. <laughs> like you can sell, you can see it. Because at the end, it's lit suddenly, and he tosses it under the little like uh, Gatling gun thing. I'm like, it's not even lit, dude. Also, we're we're burying the lead. He's carrying the dynamite with his teeth. Um, he's carrying the supposedly lit dynamite with his teeth on horseback, charging a Gatling gun. But he like takes so long to get there that they clearly like didn't even care about shot continuity, and they're just like, like, come on, like, let's just end this. We know that this is all over soon. Oh man, I kind of forgot about that part. Um, the Gatling gun, that, that whole sequence with the Gatling gun was so crazy. Because like, you have a Gatling gun, there's one dude on a horse. You can't hit anything that can slow that dude down. And this is this is where I feel like the where like I, I edge away from thinking like, okay, this is they're just trying to do good fun fun black exploitation because the Gatling gun is foreshadowed. From the very beginning of the movie in Cuba, the reason why, like, Jesse gets in trouble with Colonel Graham in the first place is that he retreats in the face of a Gatling gun on the battlefield. And I'm like, you took the time to, like, think about the structure of this movie in this way to make this thing here and give it impact. And then you just dumped, like, a, a gallon of trash in the middle. So, like... What what are what were you trying to do? Was it supposed to be fun? Was it supposed to be a, a serious thing? And uh, and since we're like spoiler free, I lean towards it was supposed to be serious because the end cards of the movie read like you're watching, like you just watched a fucking documentary. Like it, it it goes and gives like a bunch of real life history about like black cowboys, and I'm like, you just had Billy Zane on a Gatling gun with like tooth carried uh, dynamite and horse punching and. All this stuff. You can't just pull the, like, these historical heroes card at the end of the movie. Um, so, yeah, like. <laughs> See, that's not what pissed me off at the end. What pissed me off at the end, this is supposed to be, like, what was it, like, a story being recorded in, like, the 90s or something. And it's like, oh, you're the kid from the story. And it was just like, wait, what? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, he would be so old. He also wasn't even there for most of the story. Like yeah. no, he'd have no idea. This is what I was like. What? What are you? No, <laughs> no, I'm done. That was the that was the last straw. That was the last straw that caused me to like vigorously like exit out the movie and and like go watch random stuff on YouTube. I was out to to be put into perspective. The movie opens in 1898, and this was supposedly taking place presumably in real time. So 1993. So that kid would have been at least 100 years old, if not yeah, possibly older. He was probably like seven or so when he meets Jesse, right? At least. I mean, he was like... Somewhere like a, eight to ten at least. Yeah. yeah. And again, not there for the majority of the story, that there's no way that like everybody just retold. Yeah, and, and another thing is most of the characters die in this movie. And so like a bunch of them he would not have ever known. Like Tonelock's character, for example... That kid would not have known him. They didn't mention him again. Can I just say I enjoyed how much fun Toloko was obviously having with his part in the movie. He was one of those people who was like, this doesn't matter. I'm getting paid to play cowboys. I'm just having to have a good time. Totally fine. Gets taken out like a third of the way through the film, which is way too long. <laughs> it's just way too long. <laughs> uh, well, fun fact about this movie is that like, uh, if you look up posse from 1993 on imdb the only trivia item for the entire movie is that tone loke needed an entire uh production assistant to follow him around because he just kept wandering off set and going to craft services tables like instead of like watching or doing like any of the actual scene and it's my personal headcanon that tone loke has been doing that in every movie he's appeared in and that he only shows up to movies basically you know, for, like, a good rolled sandwich and, like, maybe some, like, you know, like, top-tier hors d'oeuvres. And this is just what he does. He just wanders around a movie sets, and Mario Venn people said, hey, you know, like, where's where's your gear? Where's your cowboy hat? And things, and Tone Lo just said, okay. I mean, more power to him. I love that James is laughing so hard that I think he's crying. <laughs> that piece. So what pisses me off about uh, Tone Lo's character is that he died so fast, how the fuck was the picture taken with the six of them? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, this movie just has too many, like, holes in it that I'm just like, I, I can't enjoy it for its stupidity. It's bad. It's bad. Maybe he was a ghost. 
Also, how Father Time was uh, somehow on the wanted thing, even though no one else knew who he was. Right. Exactly. The thing that makes me really sad about this movie is Blair Underwood is in it as one of the villains. And it's one of those things where I'm like, no, Blair, you're too good for this film. Why are you here? Absolutely too good for this You're film. taking this seriously. You shouldn't be taking this seriously. You're the only one. That turn, too, was like, boy, okay. They needed to make it that direction, make that decision. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention that was, I don't know that it's really foreshadowing because it foreshadows in the wrong direction. But Jesse Lee, one of the reasons why Billy Zane was out to get him is he's trying to prove his, uh, trying to force Jesse to prove his loyalty by shooting a guy who was going to desert. And Jesse doesn't do it because he's supposedly like a, a good person, I guess is what they're trying to say. But then later in the movie, he has Father Time basically do the same thing. He tells him to kill a random dude that, as far as Father Time knows, has done nothing wrong. We later find out he was one of the KKK members. And then Jesse is sort of, like, pissed about it and then kills the dude, just like Billy Zane did earlier in the movie. So it's like, they clearly were trying to say something with these two events, but I have no idea what it was. You sure about that? No. <laughs> Let's see, like, like there, there was also, like, a whole, like, we mentioned Blair Underwood's character. He was the black sheriff for our black freedom town that uh, the characters end up trying to defend, that Jesse comes back to try to defend. And he has secretly been screwing over everyone by, um, by writing all the deeds in the town in his name, because he plans to sell them 50-50 to the white sheriff in the other town. Um, and split up all the money when the railroad inevitably comes through and destroys a black community. Again, a thing that really happened. And like, I mean, not not the, you know, shady uh, black sheriff thing, but like the rest of it. Like, yeah, those are things that really happened. There's so much stuff that actually is real history about um, black cowboys, about black people in the uh, in the in the West in the frontier era about like the the weird interwoven relationships of black indigenous people you know across a whole lot of different dimensions that are all like kind of mentioned here but with like no actual depth and no actual fidelity I guess is the word for it to the point where it's just like yeah you could have just picked four of these things made them key points of the movie instead of a countless number of MacGuffins. And you might have had, like, a decent Western. Or even a decent black politician flick. You can still keep the horse punching. You can keep the... <laughs> like, the horse punching and the dynamite chewing didn't have to go. But, like, the fact that they tried to cram in as much things as possible... This You know what it is? This felt like a, ski a skit by, like, a high school... Um, like, like, a high school history class... That's been told like, oh, you don't have to take the final if you can demonstrate your knowledge of the history of the American West. And instead, you end up with like this mess. I don't think they got an A. But they still probably passed. They probably passed because the teacher just looked at it and was tired. It was like, fine, whatever. I don't want you all next year. And, then you know, Reginald Vell Johnson is here. Isaac Hayes is here. Just to be Reginald Vell Johnson and Isaac Hayes, like yeah. they are in the background. They exist for nothing else. Well, not even in the background. They put them in the foreground of a ton of shots because they know the people like Reginald Vell Johnson. <laughs> like, well, yeah, they're amazing. But that's the thing is like there's a bunch of like actually famous black people, again, still B or C list, just hanging out in the town. You have at most a couple of lines and nothing else. And you're like, well, why are you here? I'm really curious as to like how this movie was funded because this very much feels like it could have been one of those. Hey, you know, I'm doing an important movie for black people. Um, this is about our history. Don't you want in on this? And then, like, every famous black person with a free weekend uh, <laughs> during that shoot um, is just like, come on down, wear your finest hat. And, uh, and we will make sure that you are immortalized in the story glorifying our true history. <laughs> I feel like you just described Angela Bassett. I got like a different vibe. I got the vibe that everyone's just here for Melvin's kids project as opposed to anything else, right? Like everyone's like, you know what? Like Mario did good with his first couple of films. We owe his dad a favor. We're all friends. We'll just show up for this movie like a weekend, like come make a movie with me kind of thing. And didn't really expect that it would like go to theaters. 
and it did. Like maybe they just thought it was like his school project. I felt like every time you say school project, you're talking about my 10th grade class where we had to do skits from uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Did you insert some horse punching into that skit? Because that might have made that feel less weird. No, no, no horse punching. But some of them got unintentionally comical, just like this movie. (laughs) We think it may have been intentionally comical. We don't know. Mario, if you're listening at some point. Please tweet at us. Let us know. We know you I'm just are. dying to know. Yeah, I'm just dying to know. I assume this will come up in your like Google search. You probably got some kind of alert going for your name. <laughs> Google alert. <laughs> I'm assuming. I uh, so yeah. I would just love to know. I mean, like, so uh, a thing I think we talked around but didn't actually mention was that like you know Melvin Van Peebles, Mario's father, is the like he directed and starred in uh, Sweet Sweetbacks, and so that's his baby, and so. Yes, I can see the black exploitation. Like, I want to do the thing like my dad did. God, is this is this a fail son project? Is this just a legacy fail son project that we that we witnessed? I think it is. I think so. Yeah, Shit. I think this was entirely him trying to basically be his dad and failing spectacularly. I will say, or I guess mediocrely. I'm not really sure how to how to describe the exact level of a failure, but it was definitely a failure. I think Mario actually did try to like do a documentary about about Sweet Sweetbacks in like two thousand and three. He did. I, I don't think it's a documentary, right? I thought it was. He like actually a, started again as his dad. Yeah, I, for for some reason, I thought it was like a retelling or like a dramat dramatized version of the story of making that movie. But I've never seen it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know what to say to this. I I wish him for better things in the future i mean i will say policy made 18 million dollars in theaters uh in 93 when it came out it made a fair bit of money in all fairness black people love westerns and seeing black people do things on the big screen so there wasn't a lot else to compete with it yeah so you know if you're rooting for everybody black most of them happen to be in this movie yeah and actually no i think that's probably a good point is that like you know if you're listening to this and you're figuring what you should take away from the experience of listening to us talk about posse because you're smart and you didn't watch posse the only thing to really take away is that black people like westerns it's it's yeah black people like westerns and therefore things like this happen sometimes we apologize we hope it won't happen again but 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 black people do like westerns we will keep trying to make them given the chance in any opportunity okay so i have a proposal because i was just thinking about this looking at the cast of basically like 90s black actors everybody coming together in this ridiculous movie is mario van peebles the 90s version of tyler perry you know you say that you say that this whole time i was just thinking to myself because we brought up blair underwood (laughs) i felt as though i felt as though i would i would be kicking myself listening to this episode back if i didn't mention that for me, he will always be the dude that had them grits thrown on him and then got beat down with a frying pan in that in that Tyler Perry movie. I can't help it. Every single time I see him, I'm just like, oh yeah, when she gonna come through with the grits and that frying pan, dog? That's quite a legacy for Blair. I'm so sorry, Blair. We love you. We really do. Some of us, anyway. Some of us imagine you getting hit in the grits over and over again. I mean, he was awesome in that movie. That was part of the reason why I only think of him as that. And then also, too, I saw that movie when I was really young. I mean, like, not even, like, you know, set it off or, like, deep impact, but no. What was it, Medea's family reunion? He gets caught with that? Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, yeah, yeah, it was. Are we breaking our rule of talking about Tyler Perry movies at this moment? Right. Does this count? <laughs> this doesn't count because we didn't watch it and we didn't we're not encouraging anyone to watch it. Plus we've already denounced Tyler Perry and all of his works. True. We did. We did indeed. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Dear listeners, you know that we have run out of ideas when we do the Tyler Perry season. So if that day comes, it is A okay for you to hit the unsubscribe button. Because this podcast will be off us. the rails. Yeah, first tweet at us. Tweet us to, and tell us to stop. To remind us, yeah. send us back this clip. And then it's it's fine for you to hit the unsubscribe button. What are you talking about? I was going to propose Alex Cross for season three just so that we could shit on it like this movie. 
No, I agree. We should wait till we get desperate. Yeah, and like to the side. Tyler Perry would have to fund the podcast um, in order for us to cover any of his movies. And like, frankly, I don't think he can afford us. Plus, we could also do Tyler Perry and some of Eddie Murphy's worst movies together in one season. It could just be the worst of the worst season. Oh, does that mean I got to watch Coming to America too? It ha. does. Also, Daddy Daycare. <laughs> hey, no, 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 no. Daddy ca- Daycare so was okay. It was okay. Was it? It was okay. Mm. I mean, it's no, no, it's no Norbit. Yeah, I mean, that's he's fair. done a lot worse. That's why. That's why Daddy Daycare, my book, solid. Okay, we're getting off topic here. We'll come back to that one. All right, so I do want because I don't think we can continue talking about how bad this movie is for too much longer. I do want to talk about like we mentioned, like black people love westerns, just like black people love kung fu movies and other things. But like, let's talk about westerns and black cowboys because one thing this movie did try to do. Whether or not it did it well, obviously, is not entirely up for debate. We all think it did it badly. But it did try to elevate the fact that there were black cowboys. Like, 25 to 30% of all cowboys in the Old West were black. And that's something that regularly has been ignored and overlooked. Although, increasingly, these days, you see more and more of this coming out into mainstream media and into journalism. But I'm curious for all of you, how do you feel about Westerns? How do you feel about the representation or lack of representation of black cowboys in Westerns? I mostly like Westerns, but I'll caveat that by saying I haven't seen very many of them because my grandparents didn't watch Westerns and my parents didn't really either. They were a Matlock murder. She wrote family. So that's what we had on TV all the time. So I generally like them. I've seen a few. I think they're neat. Um, I have, to my knowledge, never seen one that starred a black person. That actually, when we were looking at this season, was the thing that made me interested about watching this movie. You know, this didn't turn out to be that. Um, But I think I would love to see more stories about more Westerns about black people or even just starring black people, even if they're not about them, because I think that's like a cool thing. Uh, But to the point of there being a lot of black cowboys in real life, of course, I didn't learn that. I would not have known that. It makes sense, but just not something that we really delved into uh for me um i i think that like i don't know i i i the history of black cowboys is a fascinating thing and i am constantly learning and unlearning uh things about it and specifically in terms of like the way that like black cowboys and uh native americans were often pitted against each against each other in various ways in the a lot of the indian american wars where during America's Western expansion, they sent out out a lot of what um, we commonly hear talked about, like as Buffalo soldiers out to those war fronts to fight. And so it's a history that I think is worth understanding. Like for me, as somebody who is trying to better understand how to align black and indigenous folks in solidarity, there's like a lot of shared history to kind of work through there. And uh, like when I did my own um, genealogy research in my family, I found out that, for example, where I where I thought my my father's family was originally from was like, okay, they came in in New Orleans, you know, on the boat and then they you know moved to Mississippi. And upon finding records and figuring out some name changes, it turns out that the farthest they go back is actually in Mexico um, is what the birth certificate says, like born in Mexico in 1860s. Which lines it up with the period of time where are they Mexican citizens or black people, like free black people in Mexico? Are they black people who've been like brought back into slavery? Are they black folks who were conscripted into, you know, the wars for westward expansion during that time period? There's all those curiosities and things that I think that those kind of things add some flavor to it. I think it's interesting how, you know, just like a lot of other things that we look back and go, oh, actually, Black people were really, really good at this. And then it suddenly became an all-white thing. Um, so much of it is just like Westerns themselves erase the existence of Black people in the same way that they erase like, the personhood of a lot of Native Americans. And so that's a complicated thing because the format led to so many so many movies and so many things we like about movies now. Some of them are bought, borrowed from a lot of Westerns. Hard to watch a good heist movie. Um, in any format and not see the Western in it, right? And so, I don't know. I think that, like, the genre itself is, like, really complicated. Those movies are 
painful to watch, <laughs> like to go back and watch now. So something like this is actually like, this is only painful because it's bad, not because it's like hyper racist, but it's definitely something that I think is really interesting. And I would like to learn more about those things and maybe in a movie that like wasn't trying to do 18 things at once. Yeah, for me, it's a case of a genre that I didn't appreciate until I started to get older. And then now I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, and just going, man, like, I w- really do wish that there were more Westerns made. Because um, in, you know, modern, like, temporary cinema, I can only think of, like, a handful. You know, Jingle Unchained, uh, you know, 310 to Yuma. You know, the True Grit, you know, a bunch of these remakes of these old Westerns um, that were genuinely good stories. Uh, and then going back and watching the originals, they're like still pretty good movies. And so, yeah, I like them and I want more of them made. But as far as how they relate to black cowboys, um, it's typically something I was aware of, but wasn't like necessarily aware of how uh, prominent black cowboys were just at that time. I would agree with that. Like, I love Westerns. My dad used to love Westerns or loves Westerns. And so we used to watch them a lot when I was a kid. And I love like Tombstone's probably my overall favorite Western. But I also love things like The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, right? Just basically that doesn't have John Wayne as the main character. If I ever have to see the surgers again, God help me. God. Um, but like, I agree it's an amazing genre. It influenced a lot of American cinema, generally speaking. And I also wish they made more modern Westerns. That were maybe slightly less exclusive, racist, sexist, and whatnot in a lot of ways. I didn't grow up knowing there were a lot of black cowboys. Like, it wasn't a thing that I thought. Most of my family is not really from an area where that was a thing anyway, at least as far as I'm aware. But learning more about black cowboys has made me realize, like, how amazing it is. If you were going to watch, like, a modern story around black cowboys, Concrete Cowboy on Netflix, um, starring Idris Elba, is amazing and very worth it. Uh, and a great sort of look at current black cowboys in a lot of ways and sort of that tradition. But it wasn't a thing that ever became like pressed upon me as a child. And my parents did a really good job of trying to make sure I knew a lot about like black history, black mythology, black cultural norms from a variety of places and not just ours. And it still wasn't something that I ever realized existed. And so I feel like really kind of cheated in a lot of ways that I grew up surrounded by all these Westerns that were omitting like a huge component of the story. because somehow black people weren't seen as compelling or interesting enough to be real cowboys the same way. So I will say, I will give Mario credit for at least creating that movie at that time when there weren't, there really aren't, there's like maybe five Westerns out there I can think of that are really focusing on black cowboys, not including things like Django Unchained, which I have complex feelings about as a film. You know, I didn't realize it until this exact moment but I do not think I have ever seen a movie that stars John Wayne. Good. That's okay. Like, I know who he is, and I could I know what he looks like, and I know what he looks like in movies, but I don't... I'm looking at his filmography, because when you mentioned something about never wanting to see another John Wayne movie, I was like, you know what? I don't know that I've ever seen any, and I'm scrolling through this list, and I've never seen any of these. I mean, if you have to pick one, I would suggest McClintock, but I don't... I wouldn't encourage you to run out do it right away or anything like that they're fine but they're a very specific kind of western and he's a very specific kind of western actor and not one that i personally feel like needs to be given a lot more attention i looked up the poster for mcclintock i think i'm probably good all right so let's wrap up final thoughts about posse so let's start with you right you know like there this is a movie that tried to do so many things and did nearly all of them poorly but at least it tried and it made some people a lot of money and we're still talking about it 18 years later so it had some cultural impact otherwise we would have forgotten to put it on the list like we did the first time of black movies that we needed to cover but i think that there are some enjoyable bits in this movie I think you just really need to go into it thinking about what fun thing is happening on screen and not thinking too hard about any of the plot or any of the characters' motivations or any of the weird framing devices or any of the flashbacks 
or any of the cinematography. <laughs> but like, if you take out all those things, A, you probably don't have a movie left. And B, there's definitely still some like enjoyable bits. You could you could probably do worse than like watching a clip compilation of some of the silliest moments in this movie on YouTube. And I think that's probably like the best way to take this forward. I wanted to second um Lauren's uh contribution of Concrete Cowboy as a show to watch on Netflix. We also mentioned in the past um the food documentary by Steven Satterfield, um High on the Hog, um also a Netflix uh project. There's an entire episode about black cowboys and like the food history of black cowboys and that um traces it all the way back up to the modern era and like looking at black cowboys in 2021 it's really fantastic much less tugging at the heartstrings than the first couple episodes of that documentary so if you're not wanting to be sad but just wanting to learn a lot of like really cool history about these black cowboys and talking to people who are descended from folks who've been doing this for centuries it's a great watch but yeah all those things are things are worth watching this movie probably isn't Billy Zane is still like the absolute best cheesy villain uh, that you could ever get in your B movie. I have had some thoughts since we've been talking. I still enjoy this movie, even though it's bad. I wouldn't tell you to not watch it. I would probably tell you to watch it while doing something else. But like, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. And so I, I just can't knock it as much as school days where I just like, it was painful for me to even get all the way through it. So it, there's at least that. I mean, I watch almost anything with Tiny Lister. So you might not want to take my opinion as gospel in this movie, but I still had a lot of fun and I would still recommend you, you check it out. Uh, if you have like two hours and 15 minutes uh, to just kill. Uh, Yeah, I'm using all of my Elias swears for the season just to say this movie's dog shit like just don't don't watch it don't watch it like while everyone else was talking i was reminding myself of the red versus blue joke about uh the shizno for those of you that don't know that joke go look it up on youtube it's not like crazy it's not like crazy profane or anything it's just like a really dumb joke but still, it's that perfectly describes this movie. It is not good. For me, I think as a wrap up, I would say that if you are really interested in the history of black cowboys and the role of black folks and you know, Taming the Wild West and all that, you should go watch a different movie or maybe Concrete Cowboy or something else. It's not that this one is the worst movie you could watch. I mean, if it was between this and School Days, I would definitely choose this one in terms of an overall way to waste several hours of my time. But if you do choose to watch it, just go in knowing that it's gonna not make any sense. And maybe that's okay. Maybe you're just there for Billy Zane, in which case we understand. Or Tiny Lister, if you're James and he's your everything and you were like, you know, I just really need something else after Friday. I want something slightly more ridiculous. This is your movie. But for the most part, I wouldn't waste your time. Probably not worth it. And on that note, if you do choose to watch Posse, you can find it streaming on Stars, or you can rent or buy it from Hulu or Amazon Prime um, and Apple Movies. Otherwise, this has been a Black Movie Podcast. You can check us out at blackmoviepodcast.com. Please rate us on iTunes uh, and tweet at us at BLK Movie Podcast. You can find this podcast wherever podcasts happen to be hosted and shared and listened to. And have a great night. Thank you for listening to the Black Movie Podcast. Our show is edited by Mike Knight. Our theme song is by Chris Negro Justice Brown. And our logo was created by Savannah Alexander. Even if you never heard of me, just know I murder bees. Leave all these kids with third degrees. Evidence is empirically laid out in front for you to see. I found the trinity. Good people weed the memories. These are the only things I need.